One of our listeners has asked me to provide a content warning before episodes of Tales from the Pit, just in case there's listeners out there who, although they are interested in depression and other psychological challenges, might be triggered or re-traumatized by some of the heavy topics we get into on this show, and I thought that was a great idea, so thank you for the suggestion, and I'll be doing that from now on. This week's episode is an interview with Jamila Dawson on the topic of sex, sexual identity, sex positivity, that whole area. So if you are sensitive to sexual topics or my mom, you might want to skip this one. Hi, mom. Uh, Yeah, please don't listen to this one, my own mom. And if you do, just don't ever tell me you did because we can never speak about it. And if that goes for you as well, then feel free to join us next time. But for those who feel ready to brave the pit, let's begin the episode. circa 1966. Hopefully, for all of us, this is as close as you'll ever get to a Michael Swaim sex tape. It is a tape, metaphorically speaking at least, of me describing some terrible sex that I had. Admittedly, audio only is not the traditional form of sex tape, but much like the Steven Seagal, Sylvester Stallone, or Gene Simmons sex tapes, the visuals could only be a liability. So as Sly would say, let's stoke the laughs, table the walls, and slay my shame, because it's time for the adventures of Menage à Trois, the creep crusader, who strikes fear in the hearts of himself by doing sex stuff he's not at all comfortable with. Faster than a speeding bullet in the bad at sex way, more polyamorous than a locomotive, able to damage loved ones in a single betrayal. Look, there, between the pan of soggy chicken wings and the naked octogenarian. It's awkward. It's ashamed. It's a stupid man. Yes, a stupid man, feeling like a strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and abilities exactly equal to those of mortal men. A stupid man, who can have a threesome without achieving an erection or otherwise enjoying it at all. A stupid man, who can bend reality with his bare mind, and who, disguised as Michael Swaim, mild-mannered comedian for a once-great metropolitan website, fights a never-ending battle for the sort of sex internet porn promised him, his own warped expectations of what a man is supposed to be, and the Armenian way. See, I used to be a pushover. Not in a quirky, fun way, in an unhealthy way that invited weird power dynamics into my relationships and left resentment to fester in me unchecked like so much super soldier serum. As a result, and through bad luck, I ended up in more than a few relationships where the other person had all the power, or powers, 
Super strength, mind control, laser vision, you name it. That superpower that makes your partner feel an overwhelming sense of guilt the whole time for no reason. They definitely had that one. But I invited it in. I built my very own suicide squad, just as shitty and irrational as the movie version, and then begged my partners to marshal them against me. Because I was looking for someone to tell me how life worked. An authority figure. And I was too scared of fucking up to pipe up when something didn't feel right. Like how it didn't feel right when I first agreed to enter into an open relationship. But I did it anyway, because... Hey, it felt like the kind of thing I was supposed to feel right about. Right? So the stories I'm about to tell, the comic issues I'm going to illustrate, ah, puns, they aren't meant as a judgment of the full spectrum of human sexuality. But part of that spectrum must include what I now know that I am. A mostly straight, cis guy into loving, intimate sex with a single partner. The important thing is to find your own sexual identity, not the one you think that you were meant to find. It's the difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman. One, your capable public self, a pillar of the community. And the other, you in a fursuit with rubber nipples exploring your taboos. Issue number zero, the origin story of Stupid Man. Like all superhero origins, it involves shady dealings, secret enclaves, and weird goo. While a mere lad, Stupid Man was bitten by a radioactive porn star and gained super self-esteem issues, so that when a girlfriend brought up the idea of an open relationship a decade later, he thought WWDDD, where the first set of double Ds stands for Dirk Diggler. What an idiot. Stupid Man with the power to ignore panic attacks, intense nausea, and inorgasmia in the interest of watching his girlfriend cheat on him with another woman, something that's supposed to be hot, and it's fine if it is to you, but it just made me feel cheated on. By the way, I'm stupid man. Stupid man is me. And until I learn to listen to my own spider sense, which unfortunately comes in the form of vomit, I was trapped living out such unsavory adventures as... Issue number three, Dr. Mood and the Frantic Foursome, wherein Stupid Man is approached by an elderly woman at a nude swingers party, feels too awkward to say no when she propositions him, and almost starts to weep when she begins the encounter by removing her dentures. Issue number nine, The Hall of Mirrors, wherein Stupid Man drives to the beach while his girlfriend cheats on him with another woman in the back seat, eyes glued to the rearview mirror like it was the T-Rex chase from Jurassic Park. Total number of erections in car? Zero. Total number of erections outside car? Well, who can say? Issue number 10, The Mall of Hearers, wherein Stupid Man explodes on a shopping trip, demanding that his partner stop guilting him for fucking a girl he only fucked because he felt so jealous about the guy she fucked without asking him if he was even okay with her fucking a guy, and then demanding he fuck someone to make it even. Naturally, once the fucking was mathematically evened out, the jealousy immediately ceased and everything went very smoothly. <laughs> Issue number 22, Tool Time wherein Stupid Man tries to figure out if he might be gay or not by, well, being gay with some gay guys. It turns out he's not gay, but 
now walks around for months filled with a vague sense of shame and confusion he doesn't deserve. Was that the most healthy way to handle the journey of finding one's own sexual identity? I don't think so, Tim. Issue number 69, The List of Craig, wherein Stupid Man, now single, has sex with every imaginable type of body, age, size, orientation, all to try and figure out what the hell sex is supposed to feel like. STDs contracted? Zero. Good. Insight gained into own sexuality? Also zero. Bad. The mystery endures. Issue number WTF, entitled, You Gotta Be Fucking Kidding Me, wherein Stupid Man watches his cat get run over, but then his partner won't come home to console him because she's having sex with a new guy she fancies, a fact she is not shy about elucidating over the phone. You know, the hot swinger lifestyle every man dreams of. Issue number 101, The Black Box, wherein our hero faces his most sinister adversary yet, his own baggage from previous relationships. Can his new love withstand the waves of radioactive chaos rays he emits? Assumptions are made, blame is laid, and the righteous rage that might have once been displayed to a different maid is instead misplaced where it can only cast shade. Sorry, I guess we're rhyming now. Well, let's keep it going. That's one of my superpowers, too. So, here's a poem I wrote to process my feelings after that episode, when I almost lost my true love, the only real partner I've ever had, over a little black box of pornography, emails, pictures, and messages that I'm ashamed of, that I didn't want anymore, but couldn't get rid of because they seemed to be, in some way, my sexual identity. The poem's called Crush the Flower. There aren't any jokes. I crushed a flower underfoot, a shock that I thought the root could not survive. I underestimated the resiliency of the place I placed my boot. I burned a tower down to soot, somehow still amazed the change a blaze can make in wood. I raked the ashes to say, forgive me, Lord, for I know now what you're due. I crashed a jet plane into you. But there was good shit in there too, and if FEMA can't agree to convene and exhume soon, I hope the rubble settles so you can at least see the moon. I crushed a flower underfoot, and as I knelt to inspect the wound, somehow I knew the wound was a warning that I walked on a road to ruin. I turned a ruin into a tomb. Writ large on the doorway, the sign of doom, stayed a day or two in the shade to pray to the shrine I made to her, and her name is you. I built a wall in outer space, consolidated my power base because it takes a lot of force to bang your head against a wall till it breaks and you can't see your fucking face. I crushed a flower underfoot, tried to scry our future from petals strewn in blood. All the augury offered me was the same stuff my stomach said it would, that I hurt the girl I love. So I pray for strength from the sun above and give thanks that my fate is thus to stay patient and awake in this place and awake the fateful coming of another sacred bud. In the end, I am eternally grateful that Jennifer confronted me about that hard drive, worked with me through it, and finally showed me the way I actually like to have sex. I like to have sex by making love, because I am shy and adorable. I don't really care how you like to have sex, but I do care 
that you find out what you like, and that you listen to your body's clues, and that you don't let exploration turn into a situation that you feel trapped within. Rushing things, expectations, FOMO, shame and elation and guilt and the urge to connect with others. It's a tricky, messy balance to strike, especially in a country that is deeply confused and confusing on the topic of sex. That's why I turn to a sexpert to help us navigate and see if we can't take some of the stigma off of discussing these topics. Please join me in welcoming Jamila Dawson, therapist, kink enthusiast, sex-positive person, and our guest this week on Tales from the Pit. All right, so let's see. Get that as close as it can comfortably be. Okay. And we should be fine. Let's see. Yeah. That should be good. Okay. All right. It's so... Well, the toilet sound's ended, so we can get started. Good, because that would be awkward. People yeah. are like, I want to use the bathroom. Exactly. Subconsciously, yeah. That's the effect I like with all my shows, <laughs> right, is like... that you subconsciously want to use the bathroom. Right, right. And that's what's like... great about a podcast. You can, <laughs> right, right? You really can. Just keep listening and pee and, or whatever. Well, my guest today in the pit... I think bathroom time is a good segue to a pit of depression, uh, is Jamila Dawson. Jamila, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here. Thank uh, you. And if, could you just introduce yourself, tell us a little about why you are interested in coming on the show? Sure. Um, well, my name is Jamila Dawson, and I am a sex therapist. Um, I'm also a kinky person and a polyamorous person, mm-hmm. and I'm also a person who manages depression. So the invitation to talk about depression and how it influences sexuality was like oh yeah let's talk about that let's do that (laughs) awesome well then it sounds like you've got a lot to say so does your depression hinge often on your sexuality or like issues in romance I mean, it's always a piece in terms of, oh, when do I disclose it? Um, do I feel like going out because my depression is really flaring or not? Mm-hmm. Um, as a kinky person, it's been really interesting that when I play consistently, my depression symptoms drop drastically. Oh, okay. Um, and so kink is actually part of my mental health regimen, Yeah, which was interesting to discover. Is that something that's easy to incorporate into your life regularly or does it take a lot of work because in my experience with polyamory it was actually a ton of work like it's very difficult to find chances to play or make that a regular part to, like, of your life it yeah actually, yeah like, there's a lot of other it. shit to do there is whereas um... like now with Jen, I can just say monogamous hey. straight sex is very easy to set up. Right, <laughs> right. Like she's probably right there in yeah, the other she's room. She's basically right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I prioritize my self-care, which to mm. me is just pleasure. Like I prioritize yeah. pleasure in my life now in a way that I didn't used to. Um, and I know that kink is yummy to me and feels good to me. Mm-hmm. So I prioritize that. Um, I was in a relationship and when that ended, uh, like I was doing kink very consistently during that relationship. Mm-hmm. And when it ended, I was very depressed and stopped really playing. And the combination of that was really bad for my depression. Right. But also the loss of the relationship, I assume, was the bigger right. piece there. Yeah. Well, I would say the combination because um, the way I do... BDSM is like it's part of a community. It's not mm-hmm. just with my partner. It's with uh, gotcha. other partners that I've cultivated over time. And so um, 
losing the relationship and not feeling the drive anymore and not going to the same places. So like the I've community was still again. available to you, but you sort of became reclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a classic depression. Just like, I don't have feel the like, energy today. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And the area so care even. Yeah. Yeah. was, was difficult. Yeah. And that was in a different part of um, Southern California. So I cultivated mm. a community there. And then when I moved back to LA, I basically had to start again, gotcha. which is the process I'm in right now. Right. Yeah. So, the well, the internet must be the best for that, right? It, was, it does help. It does yeah. help. Like FetLife.com has been really amazing. There you go. Recommendations, um, listeners. Oh yeah, I'm like, <laughs> hey, check it out. But don't read too much because it can be a total rabbit hole. Sure. Get out into your community. Go to munches. Go to classes, please. Yeah, and on your own recognizance. At the top of the show, there will be a little monologue for me about my own experiences. And in my case, awesome. I was sort of. It's not my bag, polyamory, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I sort of tried to convince myself it was. Because as a young man, it's a crazy societal expectation that if the opportunity arises, you should want to do that. How could you not? Exactly. Uh, And so, yeah, I just would kind of ignore my own body cues and stuff. I'm wondering Mm. sort of reciprocally with you, uh, like at what age or what was your path to realizing I'm into kink, I'm into polyamory and sort of having the courage to start exploring that? Mm. Uh, Yeah, just if you could speak on that. Sure. Um, I'm so glad you brought up body cues because as a therapist and educator and um, when I play like body cues are everything like your body doesn't lie like it's actually mm-hmm. trying to help you survive yeah. so listen to it um the way that Listening I kind of Aziz Ansari <laughs> <laughs> so the way that I kind of came to things all of my earliest fantasies were about power exchange I had no okay. language for it but there was always an element of power of being um kind of taken over and um it's a longish story, so I'll try to shorten it. Sure. Um, <laughs> we got time. Okay. Show runs about an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the slightly longish, shortest version is um, these. So these feelings had always been part of my experience. I, um, after college and after working for a production company that was not going to succeed, like it was clear it was going to sure. kind of sink, um, I saw an ad on Craigslist, go Craigslist, mm-hmm. for um, an adult-owned and operated women's uh, store. Okay. A toy yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. And I had never heard of such that's a thing. That's great. Yeah, run by women. That's awesome. It was yeah. so cool. And so... Um, there was all these books to read about BDSM and about polyamory. And do they still exist? Sorry to interrupt. Um, it was called The Love Boutique. They Love do Boutique. not. Okay. Um, but she was in business for like 25 years. Like, oh, there you go. Well, successful. Like very. Nevertheless. Yeah, I mean, it just sex ran its still course. sells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she just was like, okay, I'm done. Like, vibrators mm-hmm. and lube are great. And I want to, you know, relocate. Just count all that lube money <laughs> on a beach. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, ready. could you blame yeah. her? Just like, exactly. this thousand dollars was. No, yeah. Uh, I was in Guatemala once and mm-hmm. met. A couple who were just there and three months ago they were in France and three months from now they'd be in Spain and I was like may I ask what you do or you just inherited wealth or whatever and he's like nah man I download porn from every available free website and re-upload it on my own website and like basically all I do is turn on my computer every day and it does it wow 
And uh, nomad yeah. porn entrepreneur. Yeah, porn entrepreneurship is. It also is a huge leader in technology. There's a crazy amount of tech. Oh my gosh! That it's is yeah. always been the first. What humans do when a new technology comes out is they do something with sex with yeah, it. Yeah, it's weird because we live in a country that makes it seem like you're not supposed to talk about it but right. all people want to do is eat and fuck and not die yeah that's so that pretty much yeah. covers it and then find new things to do stuff with. and even if we're not going to talk about it the industry like you don't have to talk about it the right. money speaks the money comes yeah, in. Exactly. right yeah right so i'm sorry please go on so uh, you found so, this great chef yeah and it was um amazing to read all these books and to finally put language to these things that yeah. i had always wondered about um so polyamory came up and alternative relationships and bdsm and power exchange relationships and new relationship energy and mm. all these amazing ideas um and then i just realize like, oh, I love talking to people about sex. I love talking to people about um, what what they want, like what sure. brings them pleasure yeah. and how to reduce the shame around it. So I bounced around to different adult stores, ending yeah. up finally at the pleasure chest, started teaching that classes. Okay. You're right. That yeah. one has been going strong 40 That's years. Like something the McDonald's now. of sex shops. Yeah. Although somebody actually called it the apple of sex shops. There you go. We oh, very... I'm not trying to denigrate it. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's has a bad connotation. Yeah. We're a I little... just mean there's a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, it, it really. They're um, doing all right. They really are. Yeah. They really are. And they were super education based. That's really cool. I didn't know that about them. Awesome. So I always recommend that people go and check out the classes there because they're sure. free and you can just get a sense of like what you want see that's a good date you do a sur la table cooking class yes and then you go to the sex class i tell my after. clients that that's all the great, time yeah like you're gonna want to know who you're interacting with you might as well go to a class there you go and see what you do um so as i was continuing to become a sex educator i was also like well i want to know what this stuff actually feels like mm -hmm. so um i found a website oh and the biggest thing I had been told that, oh, kink is, that's what white people do. Oh, okay. Kink was white people <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff. Sure. And I don't know if I can swear or not. So I'm editing. I, I already said fuck. We're in the clear. Cool. Okay. Yeah. But I'll swear too. <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, so like that, that was what uh, implicitly I'd been kind of told by culture mm -hmm. and other people that. Um, also, by the way, white people is not a. A swear yet, but <laughs> right. no, right? It that was be. not the swearing part. That We're was... working toward that, but I would hope <laughs> we'll see how the hour goes. And um, so I had a lot of shame around and a lot of confusion around, like, well, if kink is white people stuff, and uh -huh. I don't, I'm not white, and I like this, then what does that make me? And sure. I thought it made me like a monster or something. Something was wrong with me. And were you getting that feedback from the black community around you, or were you just I wasn't not telling, telling anyone? Okay, yeah, exactly. that makes sense, too. Exactly. Yeah. Just kept it very, very quiet. <laughs> and sort of building the counter-argument in your own brain right, of like, against well, yourself. I think, you know, maybe... If I did tell them, this is what they'd this say. This is what they would think. say. Yeah. Right, right. right. And so um, one day I just kind of screwed up my courage and I was doing a web search and I found a website specifically for black people who did kink. Awesome. It led me to a munch, which is um, a non-sexual meeting place for kink people. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, can be at a restaurant and yeah. just very relaxed. And uh, so I went and there were black people. Oh, I was surprise, not alone surprise, or okay. a weirdo. <laughs> that was a gamble. It really, there might not have been. Right. And <laughs> it was in South Bay. Yeah, so sure. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going into. But I'm into. glad there were for you. Yeah. It was amazing. So somebody invited me to a play party. I played. I had an exquisite experience with this person. Um, was there a buffet back. at the party? 
If I remember, there were really good cookies. Because the house party I went to, there was a buffet, and the food was like was it not good? good. Oh no! And so like, lots of not good food around uh, naked people. Mm-hmm. You want the food to be real good, like you don't want right. any you iffy want, food, right? Like yeah. it just ruins the whole. <laughs> it does. It does. So <laughs> just avoided that room. Right. So hey, hey yeah. public and private dungeons out there, step up exactly. your food. Um, and yeah, so it was just this amazing experience and the, it wasn't, uh, there was no sexual contact, although I had an orgasm Mm -hmm. and that blew me away of like, oh my gosh, I don't have to engage, um, bodily fluids with somebody to have an orgasm oh, who gotcha. knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then here was somebody who wasn't going to take advantage of that who just saw that as beautiful and amazing and we just had this wonderful wonderful scene that's awesome and so after that i was just i was hooked i'm like i have to see where this goes yeah. and that and was about 10 years ago now it sounds like and my have most of your experience has been very positive yes because yes hands down most of them have i don't want to assume but i imagine or at these kinds of parties especially if there's like inebriation you could run into people who do try to take advantage do you have a vetting process are you just a great judge of character um well, i mean obviously i know no means no someone asked but how do you know who to say how do you no kind of to know? Yeah. right and like when it's like well maybe yeah i mean really great questions what i love about um public play and going to public dungeons as opposed to private parties is there is an established culture and if anybody um does any cursory reading about BDSM, you learn that there's such a thing as safe words. There's such a thing as negotiation. There's such a thing um, that's very, like every single dungeon, like you don't drink before you play. Oh, okay. Um, You don't do drugs before you play, not pot, not anything. Because the experience itself, like (laughs) you don't need, exactly, is the point. And it's negotiation, I'm just guessing from context, but is that like, explicit consent up top like i like this 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 i don't yeah. like this is that fine yeah and it that can be very thing, light yeah. it doesn't have to be you know sign here initial here of course, or, yeah, know, yeah. like read the subclause but, but i think basically that's, uh, sorry I, oh, you, I was just gonna say yeah, i think please. it's important for a lot of guys right now to hear that oh yes you can have a highly sexual like you're describing a right. very Yummy. erotic open experience yes and thorough knowledgeable consent can be involved it seems like Absolutely. a lot of people don't right they think that it's they one think or the like other. if you ask permission it somehow detracts from the vibe and that's clearly not the case clearly not yeah so thank you for saying that because it really um a good negotiation is a collaboration of what hot stuff are we going to do to one another that's true like it's a oh, are you into spanking like <laughs> yeah. yeah when i spank i like to do this like what kind of music do you like to add that in oh i like to be like scratched along the back like yeah. all this kind of stuff of what is sexy to you both favorite fuck track do you have a go-to <laughs> uh well it's it's a little old school but garbage there's some great okay. like garbage music i right. love um Anything with a good rhythm is really... <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. And sometimes Custom. I actually don't need words, because if you're, sure. you don't want to be spanked and having this amazing experience, <laughs> and you're like, la-da-da-da-da, you know, or like yeah. Rihanna's s and is... super deep lyrics that make you think and <laughs> right. take you out of it. Yeah. Right, you're like, no, no REM, no yeah. any of that. Well, has that... So, oh, well, I wanted to ask, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, so are you... I was guessing from context that you're mostly a sub, or are you a dom sometimes? Do you switch back and forth? And for people who don't know those terms, it's just like high status, low status in the exchange. What do you like? Um. What, what do you mean by a low status, high status? Well, I... 
And well, please feel free to educate me because okay. I was never into the kink community. Okay. But my it's- understanding, you said that what attracted you is the power exchange. Mm-hmm. And my understanding from media that mm. could be warped oh. and bullshit. Yes. Um, yes. Is that it's usually there's like someone who's in charge spanking someone who's not in charge. Or is it is the reality more like equal collaborators who spank each other so to, or whatever the kink Somewhere may be? Somewhere kind of in the middle in okay. terms of... Um, what I love about SM and at its best, you can't give power that you don't have. Mm. So if you don't feel like you have power, self-esteem, or a good sense of self, it's probably best not to play. Because mm-hmm. um, what it really is, is I choose because I like myself, because I know this about myself, I want to give you the authority to choose what we do together. So do you think it's fair to say, and this is why I bring this up, because yeah. it was true of me, uh, who experimented with polyamory very young, mm-hmm. uh, you should have a very like uh, concrete sense of self by the time you start to explore. But at the same the, time, I don't want to just... Right. right. You don't, don't wait until you're like, I completely like myself and everything is fine. That's true. that's not life. I don't want to discourage young people who feel urges and feel shame. Right. They shouldn't feel that shame. And no, not if at you're all. in a safe place to explore, go for it. Right. But, at but the learn same how to time, negotiate, learn what you like. For me, I was not, I did not, I had very low self-esteem. I had okay. no power in the relationship. Okay. And so I did whatever, I the never spoke, I didn't feel that I had a say in anything. Yeah. Right. And that's not good. And I was like own. almost trying to work through self-esteem issues by exploring polyamory. My mm-hmm. point is mm-hmm. kink and polyamory are not a substitute for therapy or self-care. Right. They can be, I like to tell people, they can be therapeutic, but they're not therapy. It, like, yeah. And, yeah. They're, and it can be very powerful. People work out all kinds of stuff and they grow. I've grown mm-hmm. um, in my own self-confidence and self-awareness. But yeah, a good top needs a good bottom who will say, and a top there is a person who does the, the thing. Words I was trying to think of. Sure. There <laughs> There's a lot of jargon in this right. scene. I'm not going to lie. So a top is the person who does the thing. A bottom is the person who receives the thing. Okay. So spanking, flogging, fire play, uh, a anything, variety of things, right. anything. <laughs> and it demands that both people communicate and that you care what's happening um, for the other person, yeah. both people. Yeah. So a bottom who communicates like, hey, yellow, can you slow something down? This feels really good. Can you change that? Yellow is a and safe word, I imagine. Yellow is a safe word. <laughs> yes, there's three safe Red, green, and yellow. Oh, that makes total, yeah. Good. Green, of course, like mar- rarely do people say that because they're like, just green, keep going. Green, green. <laughs> right? yeah, you're like, like okay, I'm still going. It's, it's like, okay. you can improv if everything's fine. You don't have to stick to the script. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So like, I'm just not going to do the green and you just keep doing what you're doing and then uh yellow means like slow down check in with me right which is one of my favorites um and then red is everything (laughs) needs to come to a complete total stop stop. presses yeah yes yes and if you hear red if you're at a public dungeon and you yell red or say red any dungeon monitor or any other player who hears that will actually stop what they're doing to check in and see if there you're okay. There you go. This public so situation supp- sounds great. Yeah, that's why it's like private house parties, and it was not the same vibe. It could be a little, <laughs> um, a little messier. I yes, imagine. Yes, definitely. You know, and a lot of us don't know this when we're going in, and so things can happen. Yeah, like 
someone came, <laughs> a very attractive woman came up and was like, do you want cocaine? And I was like, no, definitely not. Would well, you want to have sex? <laughs> well, not if you're on cocaine. Like, no. <laughs> right? Like, I feel so like this That was menu... when I was like, pool rules would have been good posted. On yes. Like, just, yes. Do not invite people. No lifeguard on duty. Yeah. Right. And that's really um, at certain parties and certain events. It is that exactly like sure. your lifeguard. So you have to kind of know yeah. um, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. And to be able to suss people out because yeah. there are bottoms who will push a top past their limit. Um, meaning like the, the bottom wants to go harder or longer and the top doesn't like the thing or feels nervous about doing whatever the thing is and doesn't want to do it. So you actually don't have that much aggression in you. Right. Right. Cause some people really want to be hurt pretty badly. Yeah. And so everyone's at different parts of their journey. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So tops need to be very careful too about like, don't do what's not sexy to you. Sure. And bottoms like don't do what's not sexy to you. Yeah. Um, and look around. Yeah. So I'll watch, I, I watch people for weeks sometimes to see how they play in oh, different sure. circumstances. Right, right. And if somebody is, you know, attractive and I like their play style, um, hey, you look really interesting. I like what you did over there. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about playing sometime? Yeah. And then it's the negotiation. And I can call a quit to it at any time if I'm like, you know what? They actually seem kind of skeezy. Sure. Never mind. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Have the <laughs> yeah. confidence to do that if you need to, for right. sure. And if not confidence, self-preservation. Exactly. That, that, that will, that's fine. That's a fine thing, Don't too. be polite in a, don't in a situation where you might be exchanging, like, the right to have sex with you. Right. You don't need to be polite to someone's request. No. Yeah. No, not at all. Because this is your body trouble. and this exactly. is your life. Um, and yet, if you can navigate it, it's obviously enriched your life greatly. Oh my um, gosh. Friendship, my, sex, like confidence. My dad became a furry later in life. Really? Uh, yeah. And that's okay. greatly enriched his life. The community. I mean, the They're... sexual aspect, but also just the huge community that he's a part of now. Right. Where people don't have to. Yes. Yeah. The sharing. And I imagine just the, the joy of Absolutely. I don't have to hide anything. And Well, so that uh... was my next question for you is how did that transition take place? Because you were saying you... Uh, screwed up your courage and experienced kink and were like, yep, it is for me. Right. Uh, and now obviously you're a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. You know this is going to be broadcast. So yep. I, assume you're friend- I assume you're open in your life with it. How'd that transition take place? That's been an interesting one. That I, and I'm still, um, I can't say struggling with it because I'm still talking to people about that I'm kinky sure. as a sex therapist. Um, but it's something I'm always kind of digesting. Um As an educator, I was already pretty out about what I was into. And then when I went to school, uh, grad school for my master's program, um, I just, I knew like, I want to talk about sex and I do some (laughs) of the things that I talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of led with that in all my classes to my, um, uh, the other people in my classes, my professors, it wasn't like, hi, I'm Jamila, I'm kinky and polyamorous. But right. the questions that I would <laughs> ask, the when I asked questions about the career I wanted, it was clearly with, this is my focus. Yeah. Um, I see you've noticed my nipple clamps. Let me explain. <laughs> right, right. I'm Jamila. I see your eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These aren't just really. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. Uh, I'm up here. Well, it's kind of unfair. <laughs> Really draws the eye. Yeah. <laughs> and even now, I totally joke with people. If if it is in a um, highly eroticized atmosphere and I'm wearing something that's revealing and somebody looks at my, my breasts, yeah. I'm like, 
are you looking at my breasts? <laughs> yeah, and I totally judge them. I totally judge them if they're like, no, because I'm like, well, you're a liar then. And if they say yes, I'm like, we should keep talking. It's also just like, that's an old chestnut at those events, I imagine. That must be a classic. <laughs> totally. Yeah, some people totally. are just like, aha, you should be. Good one. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Why do you think I'm <laughs> Yeah, <this?"> exactly. <laughs> so much fun to mess with people sometimes. Um, so, but that was kind of how I led that. Um, what you learn, particularly as a sex educator and... Um, just the things I've gone through in my life, if you don't lead with your vulnerability, if you don't lead with what's true for you, that's the weapon. Um, And it very much has to do with my identity as a black woman, that this is a culture that tells black women in all kinds of ways, you're either invisible or you don't get to have this or it only can look like this. And uh, that's crazy. (laughs) And I will not be driven crazy by this culture. So I just have gotten very... um, comfortable even in my discomfort with leading with like no these are all the pieces that I am I will not let somebody fragment me or show me that I have to show up in a certain way absolutely down mm-hmm. any line gender race anything right it's right. I am uh, all these things all the data supports that like like it's even crazy that people still think that men are hornier on than women is right or that men are visual and women aren't I'm made like, in every sitcom somehow our eyeballs are different right like, what? And it's not true even at all they've jammed electrodes in there like <laughs> right. women are horny and everyone of every sexual orientation on the spectrum exists in every body yes. that has ever been created. There's no man brain. There's no woman <laughs> right, brain. Exactly. Like we really need to stop with uh, this stuff. Maybe on some issues, but I certainly not sexuality. It's, I think it's a lot more their, fluid than exactly. people than what we've been told. Um, so was that everything was fine with your family? You didn't have any issues there? Funny. You should ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, digging for a good anecdote. Right. <laughs> so my parents are not aware that I'm kinky. I okay. think explaining to them, power dynamics and all this kind of thing like just would not um literally make sense for them i was really hoping it was you ran into them at an event that would be although i have read about that that somebody oh i read something where a guy was on uh, a swinger site Uh and literally got um his parents tried to pick him up yeah the images didn't include his face or something i imagine the images um (laughs) had his had his parents face what that's like there was some back and forth back and forth and they finally sent a picture and there were his hello yeah (laughs) he's like at least i don't have to break any news to you this is true it's like now we can just what are we going to talk about over thanksgiving we now know we now know so it's i mean there are we're seeing more and more people now um who are second and third and sometimes even fourth generation kinky or polyamorous Mm. and that's been really interesting there's people in the scene who their mother uh, or their father or both parents are in the scene and they navigate it they negotiate it i negotiate things with my clients around if i see you um at an event it's up to you if you want to acknowledge me um confidentiality states like i won't interact with you i won't watch you play please respect me and don't watch me play and we do that that's red Red. what uh in your practice i'm wondering is there are there common themes of the issues people come to you with Mm -hmm. or do you have a sense of the pulse of like the different sexual stigmas people are largely dealing with right now out there. Yeah. I mean, I, what I, one of the reasons I became a therapist was, um, I kept getting in trouble for talking to my clients for too long mm. at the store. Uh, so that was one. And I was like, where can I talk to my clients a lot <laughs> about sex? Oh, I'll become a therapist. But, um, 
you know, you do something long enough and you start to see the themes and the patterns. And yeah. at that point, I'd been doing sex retail for seven, eight plus years. And I kept seeing the patterns, the the sense of um, dissociation from one's body, the the stories that people were living of like, oh, I'm supposed to look like this when I have sex, or it's supposed to feel like this when I have sex, yeah. or I should be able to do this. Um, all of which were usually completely incorrect and we're keeping them from having fun, intimate, pleasurable, spontaneous sex. Um, I ran into people who, oh, I can't talk to my doctor about this. Like I had cancer. I want to get my sex life back and my doctor won't talk to me about it. Sure. Oh, what are the mm. options? Right. Right. And right. is, do you think a lot of those expectations, because there's this popular theory that seems to have a lot of credence that <laughs> the first couple generations are now coming of age that have, or already, I mean, I'm of this generation, probably a pioneer <laughs> of it. But who could just like turn on a tap and hardcore pornography is available, like an infinite amount. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. my sex mm -hmm. education was done by watching pornography more right. than anything else right. on the Internet. Mm -hmm. um, and previous to that, people would talk about the fabled time they found a box of porn in the woods or their dad's staff. Like <laughs> right, it when was they were harder to. And I oh, think yeah. so oh, that yeah. behooved more communication. And it's funny. It's a silly thing to think about kids like wait, how are babies made on the schoolyard? But mm -hmm. <laughs> some kind of education communication needs to happen. Right. And sex That's education right. obviously should officially happen. But mm -hmm. I guess I'm mm -hmm. wondering if you feel among your client base is a lot of, are a lot of the perceptions around sexuality coming from porn or just from media as a whole, like movies and shows? I would say both that... Um you know, working in the store and also in the in my practice, um, it's really clear a lot of people are caught up in like, oh, I'm supposed to last this amount of time or my orgasms are supposed to sound like this. Um, guys very concerned about the size of their penises. Yep. Um, women feeling like they should be multi-orgasmic. Sure. And there's definitely, I would say, a generational piece too that people probably around 45 and older have a lot more internalized shame and it's definitely had a pretty significant impact on how they view gender, how they view sex, how they grew up. Whereas people who are, um, I'd say 40 and definitely like 35, mm. 38 and younger um, are a little more fluid. And then the younger you go can be a lot more fluid, a lot more curious, a lot more willing to ask questions. And do you feel that's a simple aspect of aging or does it give you hope that that means that the pendulum is sort of swinging that way? Societally? It gives me some hope. Okay. Um, although, you know, there's young people that I've met who are super rigid about gender stuff, um, who are super rigid about like, oh, I'm supposed to show up like this. Mm. Um, speaking to what you said earlier, a lot of young people can feel like, oh, I have to be super quote unquote evolved and edgy. So I'll get into polyamory, I'll get into kink, or I'll do these things that are so normal now, mm -hmm. um, when that's not really what their sexuality is, and it doesn't feel right for them. But they think that that's how they're supposed to be showing up now. And so that that I do grieve. Because um, that's yeah, kink and poly are supposed to be accessible something that is as legitimate as anything else it's not supposed to be something you do because everybody else is doing it yeah you know? any other reason yeah fog right. fear obligation guilt right <laughs> any of those them. Yeah. yeah um and did you find have you found in your client base as if as in your experience 
do people of color have an extra hard time with yeah. the societal expectation piece? With the societal expectation a bit and certainly with um, finding spaces within community that okay. for when I started, um, there were not many black people or other people of color in the scene. I was going to say, do you just have to like be okay with making white friends and having sex with white people basically? Um, yeah. Like uh, be okay, like kind of navigate it of... Um, and the the sound that I'm making, the look on my face, is because it is so complex. Um, sure, yeah. I mean, I'm a Valley girl. Like, I grew up in the Valley. I went to UC Santa Barbara. Like, my life has been um, spent in mostly white circles. And I do have a lot of pain about that because mm. black people are awesome and we are amazing. Yeah, right. And to walk in a room yeah. where you see your own is something really special that I have not had a lot of in my life. Um and it's also forced me to be like, yeah, some people, some white people are really cool and some white people are really douchey. And it's hard because you can't always tell. It's yeah. not like, you know, your average white person flags immediately. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of you to give the benefit of the doubt to everyone you meet. But, um, it would make me crazy otherwise. You, that's true. I just think there's it's an interesting aspect of privilege. And mm-hmm. I don't think I have to explain how privilege is apportioned in this country. Mm-hmm. Um that uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I saw this when I was in the lifestyle, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of most, it was mostly all white events yeah. because yeah. it's a luxury to be able to, to but feel comfortable enough. Issues, this isn't going to hurt my life if it comes out. Right, like right. my job will be fine or I have all the money I need, whatever the case may right. be. Right, that there's um, a certain... Yeah, I just think there's an aspect of luxury to exploring your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And toys cost money. Oh, um, that's true. Yeah, if you're Events cost props, money. <laughs> conferences <laughs> cost money. Um, so there's, it's a big economic issue. Sure. And yeah, there's this piece of like white people have had more space and been allowed to um, have a variety of sexuality that has been um, really kind of historically denied to black people in particular and then people of color in general. And so for so many reasons, you don't see a lot of uh, people of color in the scene. There's definitely more now. which is super exciting. And I'm just like, yes, like (laughs) to me, that's liberation and me coming out as um, an S type as Mm -hmm. a submissive. um, And then finally as a slave, like that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of self-recrimination and shame for that term connections. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized like my ancestors did not suffer unspeakable torture and horror um, for me to be afraid to be who I am. Or that to do, or to about. gain pleasure or joy out of life, out of my body, exerting right. your freedom over your own body, right? right. The power to consent, the power the, to choose. It's unfortunate the words are the same almost. Like yeah, you know, it could, yeah, and it's there doesn't need to be a connection there. Yeah, right, right, and that's it was a really interesting and painful and fascinating journey to come to terms with the historical truth of slavery of in this course, country, sure. and then where my particular kink desires, where they circulate. Right. And there's all kinds of myths still about like, oh, if you're an S type, then there's something wrong with you. Okay. You had something happen to you. Sure. You know, oh, all right. kinds. You're abused as a child. Right. You remember? Right. right. All, sure. That still is so alive and well. Um, and completely untrue. Yeah. Especially among people who are super vanilla and have never tried anything. Right. Like, it's, it's just like, I'm just like oh. you do something that's, I wouldn't want to do and it sounds weird to me you must be a witch right. <laughs> like they invent right, it's right. so easy to invent some kind of like right life becomes right. like money Python skit or something yeah exactly it's it's really interesting 
Well, let's pivot if we could. Sure. To depression a bit, which oh, I hate. It was to do. such a yummy conversation. I know, and, and I'll now... definitely we'll have to have you back for more sex talk, but. We have to get to the topic of the podcast. <laughs> right, which is, right. Which is sort of the other side of that mm-hmm. um, complex issue. And so, yeah, I always hate asking these questions with people. Where I'm like, okay, now. Maybe you're a bit of a sadist. You have you ever thought ever? about that? There you go. <laughs> Maybe it's Channel your inner emotional sadism. I started the show to see people cry. I'm just realizing that now. <laughs> it's weird. I'm glad I could help you figure that excited. out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, by the way, total tangent. Fifty Shades of Grey. Does it appeal to you at all? <laughs> just because of shared interest, or are you like, I'm sorry, it's just crap. It it is just crap. <laughs> yeah. um, I am glad that the, the only thing I'm glad about is that people read it, that it got people curious, it's that it, it a bit, yeah. right, that it got people in touch with like, oh, this is interesting to me. I want to find out more. And yeah. in the last four or five years massive influx of people into the scene there you it's go. been really really interesting interesting um but i tried cheap. to read the first book and i could not make it past the second chapter oh sure yeah it was poor writing do you know after the peanuts cartoon premiered Be- beagles became the best-selling dog of all time yeah and after sideways came out which wasn't even that big of a movie right pinot noir became the most popular yeah we're such goddamn sheep it's fascinating same thing like when i worked at the, no the pleasure chest they are individually right until right. they find themselves like <laughs> yeah. yes people Your like a sex toy happens in a movie yeah. and that same week dozens and dozens of people are like oh i saw the oh That's sex so in the funny. city uh-huh. Oh, the the bunny vibrators that we sold. Wow. I mean, it was like the toy of choice for people. They're like, do you have the people bunny vibrator? Like, do you have I'm the bunny? Miranda. I need the bunny vibrator. Right. And I'm like, maybe <laughs> that's not what you're looking for. But like, I must have the bunny vibrator. I'm like, okay. So interesting. Yeah. 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 And I think that that can be merely comical all the way to very damaging because that same yes. impulse and that same force and tidal force mm-hmm. is absolutely how we get warped views of sexuality. Right. So right. what's the saddest you've ever been? No, right, no, into no. the tangent part, the saddest I've ever been. But when been. you are when you are depressed, uh, it sounds like it's... It, I, I'm venturing a guess, please correct me, because sure. it's you're supposed to speak, but <laughs> it sounds like a feeling of isolation, certainly, from your community. Yeah, deep, uh, deep isolation, a deep... Um, loneliness is what it feels like yeah um i heard my first depressive episode in 2001 um i was in paris i was studying abroad for the year and um had did not know what this was that was happening to me Mm. but the um near my apartment there was this long road and it was like brick on one side and then these um the back sides of buildings on the other and just this long Quatre pastries near me. It was amazing. I love pastry. It was incredible. Um, but that road, it was just yeah. this long road. Nobody behind me, nobody in front of me. And that is still what depression feels like to me. Is oh, very powerful. gray, me yeah. along a road, and nobody behind me or in front of me forever. Yeah. And that, so... Um, that's a good hell description of hell. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, yeah. right. We clove. Like, there were at least, like, two other people, and you could at least argue for eternity Absolutely. with another person. Yeah. But true hell, which is what depression is, is deep, deep isolation from yourself and others. Did you... Do you feel... Uh, well, you described that was your first depression, and I think it's very interesting and important. This is the theme, a theme that has come up a lot. Mm-hmm. You said... I didn't even know what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I think there mm-hmm. are people who are lucky enough and God bless them to not have a- 
full on depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that their life doesn't have moments of acute grief or challenge right. Right. or sadness. Right. Um, can you maybe elaborate in your words how it's how did it feel different? How were you like? This is not just like something bad happened. Right, I'm not just bummed for a while. Or grieving about mm-hmm. a thing, right? I mean, it was um, just the heaviness. Like there was such a weight in doing any normal thing. Just mm. the getting up, the taking a shower, the putting on makeup. Because this is Paris, and you definitely had to like sure. dress well. Yeah. And um, every country has their own societal oh, expectations. It's it was so fascinating. Yeah. It was fascinating. Um, just this cold numbness that I felt all the time and that uh, I had never like I knew what it was to be driven and I was very driven of like I have even though I don't understand this culture and I don't speak the language and I'm not fluent I have to be perfect I have to get all A's oh wow so I think for like six months I was just going on straight adrenaline yeah I'm one of those we're very prone to depression because the flip side of that coin is you have like crazy high self-esteem or expectations of your own capabilities and then in private moments it's so easy to go you're not living up to them you piece of shit right (laughs) right and you can and look at you and look at the gap and Exactly. Um, and so, the, and I found myself just doing, um, like, again, isolating, which I'd never really, I'd always been shy, but I was isolating. Like, I'm not going out of my You'd house for days at a time. That's not oh, my yeah. impression of you. <laughs> I am, a, I truly am an introvert in the sure. sense of I love one on one conversations. I get mm-hmm. energy from that. And then after this, I'm going to go collapse. Um, but introverts, like, we're actually, when we're locked into somebody and we feel comfortable, we're little beams of sunshine. Absolutely. That's like why I love this job. Right? You just Structured, get to talk and connect, contain. Conversations, right. Oh my God. Like it's all the things. But at a party where anyone could walk in and change the course of the conversation, I get too oh, no. overwhelmed. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. I'm like, I will be in the kitchen with the cat. Like, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was really, um, oh, and I, I was drinking more, which I've never been a heavy drinker mm-hmm. and I still couldn't really do more than two glasses, but I was like, that's a like sure. I was trying to get drunk, even though I couldn't. Gotcha. And that was new. And then I was cutting. And that was new. So I'm like, that, that's a go. big one. Okay. That's a big one. That that was frightening and fascinating. When that, because in the first episode, I spoke with my mom about cutting as well. Mm. And she says she was cutting before it was cool because... <laughs> There was no community. She wasn't aware that cutting was like a thing teens did. So there was no, some do, yes. there was no, uh, which is another bullshit stigmatization as people think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, upset teens are cutting cause it's like a fad. But all mm-hmm. I can say is I would never cut myself. It's like, I'm too squeamish. Mm-hmm. Um, there, mm-hmm. there's a reason. That, right, and, there is a reason. Right. There is a reason. And kids in isolation have done that. And people have done that dating back hundreds of years. Yes. Uh, Self mutilation when you're mm-hmm. depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, may I ask if it's not, too personal how that because i hit myself in the head okay and i remember how it started and what my thoughts were and i'm wondering Hmm. how'd you make that leap like what made you feel that that was the the thing i understand hating yourself or having moments where you loathe yourself Mm -hmm. or are so numb you want to feel something Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. cutting i guess i could have said just that (laughs) um hmm when people ask me really good questions, I really try to like taste I it, and, it and think about it. Um, I think part of it was I felt so numb and so couldn't feel that I was like, is there anything in there? And cutting was like, oh, there is something in there. Like I'm bleeding the inside and the outside are now interacting again. Wow. 
and I can see it leave my body and go out. So there, I must still exist somehow if the inside and the outside. So just like confirming mm-hmm. cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. Or- yeah. Cause and effect and some sort of, um, like when, at least for me, the, the numbness was like acute pain and mm-hmm. and that's like it's 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 pain at such an acute pitch that it almost feels numb and so and and it's global and so the cutting was specific it was blessed so specificity distracting in a way yeah what well, it was highly focusing pain. right it was right. highly focusing take your mind off it right of for a oh there's you know this is the weather but right now this is what's happening right this cut this welling of the blood yeah. this um taking care of the wound, feeling the specific pain and not the global acute pain. Did it feel, because uh, I think these things can coincide, but I also want to leave room to differentiate them. Mm-hmm. Would you say that you were suicidal or had the suicidal impulse or is cutting can be different than that? Do you know what I'm getting Yeah, I at? do. There's actually a lot of really great research out there and two of my um, clinical colleagues do workshops on specifically cutting and Mm self-harm and differentiating it between suicidality and self-harm and what is happening. Um, Right. When is it one? When is it the other? When do they intersect and when do they diverge? When can it escalate to suicidality or when Mm -hmm. will it never get to that? Because that's not what they're doing. Because that's not what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we do harm reduction? How do we make space for... that actually cutting sometimes or doing other quote unquote self mutilation can actually like, it is a reach. It is a reach for life is really what it is. It's actually not a reach for death. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I think that was true in my mom's case too. Mm. She said it was, it made her feel alive. Right. Right. It wasn't suicidal at all. She thought it was like combating the, like kicking against the wall of depression around her. Yeah. Yeah. Raging against the machine. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of um, harm reduction when it comes to self-harm. And I wish mm. I had had, again, that language back then. Um, but I knew enough of like, actually, I read it just a couple of days ago. Somebody said, I didn't want to kill myself. I just hated my life. That's and I was like, oh, yeah, that that's resonates so deeply. it. You just want, you just think this movie sucks and you don't expect it to get any better and right. you wish it would stop. Right. But you don't want to, like, unless you do. And I think we'll do shows specifically about suicidality. Right, where there really is, I course. do want to not um, be here. But it, for me, it's always been the fleeting thoughts of suicide are more like, God, wouldn't that be sweet? Right. Just a lack of pain for me. But I have a empathy and I have, I'm blessed to have enough connection in my life that I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. My brother mm-hmm. would be devastated. My parents would be devastated. Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend. I love would very be much. Devastated. Like, I can't yeah. put that much pain out into the world. Mm-hmm. I just wish I could have not been born rather than killing myself. Yeah. Right. Which has a very <laughs> yeah. different, a very, very different, different vibe. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's so important. That's why I I thought this coming on here was such an awesome idea to talk about the nuances of depression and self-harm and suicidality. And um, for some people, depression is linked to self-loathing. For others of us, it really is like a deep loneliness. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, made me feel very alienated from the usual talk of depression. Um, Because I don't don't dislike myself. I don't hate myself. I don't loathe. I don't loathe myself. Um, so you're even judging whether you were having the right kind of depression? Like, no, why is my I, depression <laughs> the same as their depression? I was never judging it. That's <laughs> okay, the thing. Good. Like, my my primary <laughs> stance, and I think this is because of how my parents raised me and because of um, being a black woman in this 
country, like I automatically know that most people's story is not my story and that they're not mm, making room for my story. That didn't shock you to find out, right? Exactly. So I like, I knew, oh, they're having a different experience and that's not my story. I need to figure out what mine is, mm. not try to make my story conform to theirs or feel um, that there's something wrong with my story. Yeah. So for me, it, it literally has just been like, I'm a big reader. I spend a lot of time in my head. I'm very um, sensitive and I pick up people's emotions a lot. And this culture can be really harsh towards introverted, quiet, smart, fat little black girls. Oh yeah. I, who are in the valley. I, you. <laughs> I was going to say, especially LA. Right. Yeah. Right. It's rough out there. It's very rough. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, my feelings have always been around like, oh, I feel just not like that I don't have a place and that I'm not seen. And so mm. that in that deeply internalized loneliness yeah. is what it is. Um, and so that's that's where I've always been like, oh, other depressed people, like I can't, I want to comfort you. There's but a few different genres of depression. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I want space for all of them, but um, definitely ones like mine. I just wrapped up a podcast where we covered all the works of Kurt Vonnegut. Ah, and, that's uh, intense. I think he elucidated, obviously, a depressive uh, oh, attempted yeah. suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, mom drank bleach mm-hmm. on Mother's Day. So, like, you see where you, it came right, from. It's a really complex family. Very really complex brilliant family. and complex. But I also think he elucidated a genre of depression I didn't know existed that sort of overlaps with my own, which is the which is a very privileged form of depression, which is to be mm-hmm. in a cozy enough life where mm-hmm. you're not going to starve and your job's going okay mm-hmm. to start thinking about like, am I as happy as everyone else is? Uh-huh. Do I, am I, am I getting the rewards, the bounteous rewards of life that everyone else is sucking at? <laughs> like, does my joy feel as joyful as their joy or to take it back to the topic of the day? Like, mm-hmm. and I used to wonder this, mm-hmm. I hope my orgasm is good. Like I hope, it feels good, but how do I know it feels as good as other people are getting? Yes. What if I have an unfair, shitty orgasm? <laughs> and other people are having awesome, awesome orgasms. Awesome ones that I don't know about. And I'm stuck with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how can I get that? Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's funny and painful and very real <laughs> yeah. and very real. And I think like that's... Um, I mean, conversations across different ethnicities is such a challenging and interesting conversation to have because yes. a lot of my clients have been white. I've worked with um, both at uh, in sex retail and then as a clinician with a lot of white men mm-hmm. and seeing kind of what the stuff is that they're carrying. Um, and it, it's been it's been interesting. It's been really interesting and painful and very um I'm like, wow, that is a completely different experience. You know, yeah. that's completely embedded in their social capital and social experience. The world. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Um, so when it comes to if somebody is white and cis and male um, and is having depression, I'm I still lean towards go make some meaning in the world. Go... Mm leverage your privilege and go have your life mean something because like the the average white male life like yeah it's completely (laughs) like privilege and it's with its own pain sure but go go mean something to people Mm -hmm. um rest when you need to but take that that you've got that you just got because you were born this way right um and please go make it mean something yeah and maybe that you'll find you not just 
white male, but you'll find you in the yeah. doing of that. Oh, it always does. It, like it's it's an ancient truth mm-hmm. or like wisdom from the ancestors that everyone just keeps forgetting or choosing to ignore. Like mm-hmm. you feel like you'd somehow lose something if you devote your precious time to helping others. Mm-hmm. You feel amazing. Like right. it, make, it makes right. you feel great. You come back to yourself. It's one of life's great pleasures. Yeah. Like you benefit greatly from helping yeah. others. Yeah. Altruism is almost non-existent. I feel like being altruistic is rewarding. Right, <laughs> right. It is. And, you know, people yeah. get into like, are people altruistic? Like, we are designed to connect. Absolutely, yeah. We are, humans are designed to connect. And Even the introverted ones who feel absolutely. like that's not the case sometimes. Yeah, you got to put yourself out there, man. <laughs> right. And, and little bursts, like at, at this point, I go to very specific parties. Mm-hmm. I try to connect one-on-one or one-on-two. Yeah you know on once a week twice a week and that's and that's sufficient yeah and then when i train like okay i'll talk to 100 people but then like i'm decompressing with one person there you go yeah 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 it comes in waves absolutely do uh have you ever because we always we like to end on combating depression or Mm. because everyone has different methods yeah and everyone has things they've tried that didn't work (laughs) things they've tried that did work (laughs) um and a classic symptom of depression is sort of an inability to access your joy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, have you ever gone to a kink event to try and break a depression? Or would you not even like mix those worlds? And then did it work? <laughs> right. 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 Each of those pieces. Each yeah. of those pieces. Um, I know things definitely shifted for me when I w- stopped worrying so much about am I getting pleasure or is my pain being reduced? Mm. And so when I'm really depressed, I focus on like that sense of, is my pain being reduced? Yeah. Is there anything that reduces it even just a little bit? And I'll trust that I'll get to actively feeling pleasure another time. You know, it's, I mean, it's that feeling like when you've thrown yeah. up like violently, right. horrible experience, yep. horrible but oh my God. And you're like, please, somebody just end it for me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after you're like, I have the absence of pain and mm. I feel glorious. It feels like a hit of morphine or <laughs> right? something. Yeah. Just the absence of pain does <laughs> yeah. that. So sometimes when I'm deeply depressed, that's what um, I aim for. And I feel very lucky. Um, not just lucky, but no, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Please do. I'm really pleased that I've had the courage <laughs> to over time um, to cultivate support that I literally can call up people and be like, Hey, I need a spanking or, Hey, I need you to hurt me a little bit. Um, let's negotiate a scene or I'm going to go out tonight. Are you going to be at the club? Can we, can we play? Mm -hmm. And even just using it, can we play helps get me a little bit back into life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's good to know for people who might find it scary mm-hmm. i found it scary <laughs> that, like but like if you me, have like, the urge but you're scared uh mm-hmm. you do quickly it seems like you meet people it's not always meeting 100 strangers like if you just right. hate the social awkwardness aspect uh you quickly develop tight-knit groups and i see that with my dad yeah. as well. yeah you know and going like i said going to munches and going to classes because you go to a few and you'll see the same people non-sexual who are trying to get... sex events yes. yeah <laughs> and it's like oh we have something to talk about and you can like let that kind of yummy erotic energy arise yeah. or not and you're not pressured to show up sexually explicitly or do anything or hire jamila and she you could also do all that. of your sex problems i will certainly <laughs> do my best and i'm pretty good <laughs> 
Well, are, do you have any words of wisdom to end on? We're about out of time. Oh my gosh, no um, pressure there. I'm definitely going to have you back. We obviously could talk for hours and hours, right? but we haven't talked about sci-fi. I know. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. that yeah. could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, anything? Because uh, I can be too interrupting sometimes. Did I trample on any thoughts you came with that you wanted to share? Mm, I mean, there's always so much. Like this is my passion. This is the life that I I want. Talking about pleasure and sex and how it can be transformative. Yeah. Um, so I think I always tell my friends and all my friends know this. I, I speak about yummy, find your yummy, <laughs> track know. your yummy, follow your curiosity. Like your body will never really lead you wrong. Follow your curiosity and have fun. Yeah. And, uh, to bring a down note to it as a recently recovered alcoholic, I, a theme that's come up frequently is your body will also tell you what you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Or if there's things that your brain's convinced you, you want to do but they make you sick Mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. Maybe consider if you might be in a little bit of a delusional state, you don't really want that. Yes. And that has for me included bad relationships, bad sexual scenarios, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. My body always knew what my limit was and told me when like, that's enough. You should cut yourself (laughs) off. It was my stupid brain that kept going. (laughs) Right. The body is wise. Listen to your body. That's a great place to end. I think for this episode, thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for brightening the pit. It's very yummy in here now. Uh, I think that's it. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. My deep thanks to Jamila, and I hope this was an enlightening conversation for you. If you're still imagining me naked, I'm sorry. Hang in there. This, too, shall pass. I'll see you next time in the pit. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!